Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and check us out on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives. If you are not subscribed to the podcast, I encourage you to do so as you can hear every episode and have it automatically delivered to you free of charge. Use your favorite software including Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Stitcher, or Amazon Music at amazon.com slash otrdetectives. Our new Famous Investigator t-shirt is available over at famous.greatdetectives.net and we have a variety of different styles available including premium tees, lady slim fit tees, youth tees and our pullover hoodie. Pick which one you would like over at famous.greatdetectives.net. Well now it is time for this week's episode of Dangerous Assignment original air date May 10th 1950 and the title is Smash Lecture Circuit Spy Ring. Wheaties presents Dangerous Assignment. Parade! The makers of America's favorite whole wheat flakes, Wheaties, Breakfast of Champions, invite you to Wheaties Big Parade, a thrilling procession of radio's greatest summer entertainment programs. Yours for the listening on NBC. On stage tonight from Hollywood, another in this series of exciting half-hour presentations. Dangerous Assignment, starring Brian Donlevy as Steve Mitchell. Yeah, danger is my assignment. I go to a lot of places in the world I can't even pronounce. They all spell the same thing, though, trouble. But when I walk into the commissioner's office, I don't expect this assignment is going to involve using a ten-year-old boy as a cross on which to crucify his father. Morning, Commissioner. Steve. Well, I finally got the jump on you this morning. How's that? You're always sending me halfway around the world in ten minutes' notice. Well, this time I've beaten you to the punch. I'm all packed, I've got my passport and credentials in order, and I'm ready to take off. Now, where are you sending me? Just down the hall, Steve. What? That's it. Oh, great. Mitchell, the mastermind. Ah, well, okay, so I'll unpack. I uh, wouldn't do that yet. You start down the hall, where you end up, as anybody's guess. What's the deal, Commissioner? Ever hear of International Lecture Tours Limited? Hey, now, look, my soapbox days are over. Now, don't worry. You're not going to be making speeches, but you'll be investigating a few people who do. This is an organization of six European professors, Steve. They lecture at colleges and universities all over the world. Each of them hits this country about twice a year. Well, what about them? We have definite information that one of them is using his lectures just as a front. But he's picking up information from various contacts in this country 
and taking it back to Europe with him. Uh Uh-huh. Which professor is it? We don't know, but Dr. Gerber does. Gerber? Yes. He's one of the members of this lecture circuit. He's waiting down the hall to talk to you now, Steve. Find out what you can from him. Then go anywhere and do anything that's necessary to smash this spy ring. Well, that's it. You've got your assignment. Good luck. I guess almost as many people read the Reader's Digest as eat Wheaties. So maybe you've already seen that article in May issue about breakfast. It says, quote, Two out of three Americans eat too little for breakfast. That's serious. Because skimpy breakfasts slow kids down during their morning studies. Cause some folks to run out of steam before lunch, get sort of grumpy and tired, and sometimes actually sick. Matter of fact, this Reader's Digest article might scare you. If you didn't know about Wheaties... But if you keep right on dishing up plenty of Wheaties with milk and your favorite fruit as part of each day's most important meal, just relax. You haven't a thing to worry about. Now, here's Dangerous Assignment, starring Brian Dunleavy in the role of Steve Mitchell, colorful, two-fisted government agent. Well, this is really a switch. Ten minutes after talking to the commissioner, I'm usually heading for the nearest airport. But now, here I am, just heading for the next office. From the look in the commissioner's eye, though, I've got a strong hunch that this assignment is going to involve a whole lot more than just a walk down the hall. Mr. Mitchell? Yeah. You're Professor Gerber? Yes. I've been waiting to talk to you. Well, start talking. As you may have heard, I'm a member of international lecture tours. I'm now lecturing in this country. I understand that you have reason to believe that one of the other members of the lecture tour is a foreign agent. I'm positive of it. And moreover, I know who this person is. No? Who? I can, I can only tell you that on one condition, Mr. Mitchell. What is it? I must have protection. Well, that shouldn't be too hard to arrange. You're safe in this country and... You don't understand. I... I'm not speaking of protection for myself. What? Here, I want to show you something. My wife died last year. This was her locket. I've carried it with me ever since. Look at this picture inside. Mm, a little boy. <laughs> my, my son, Kurt. Ten years old. Mm. Oh, he's the one you want protection for? Yes. I know only too well the measures of retaliation which might be employed against the boy if I were to reveal the information which I possess. Yeah. Where is he? At a school in Stockholm, Sweden. I had to leave him there. He has no other relatives. The school is run by an Englishman, Horace Wakefield. I see. Okay, Dr. Gerber. I'll go over to Stockholm and get your boy myself. How's that? Oh, that's what I hoped you would say, Mr. Mitchell. And when you return, I shall give you the name of the head of the spy ring. Fair enough. I'll see you in about four days. Yeah? What is it, stewardess? Here's a radio message. Just came in for you. Oh, thanks. Gerber reports his locket containing boys' pictures stolen three hours ago, Commissioner. Ah, well, I thought this sounded too easy to be true. Yes? Are you the headmaster of this school? Yes, I am, Dr. Horace Wakefield. What can I do for you? I'm Steve Mitchell. I'd like to talk to one of your students. His name is Kurt. Kurt? 
Come in, Mr. Mitchell. Now, you uh, said you wished to see Kurt. Why? I have a message for him from his father. Where is he? Kurt has disappeared. What? I can't find him anywhere, Mr. Mitchell, and I'm worried sick. Tell me what happened. Last evening, a woman came to see him. She told me she was his aunt. But Kurt's father told me that Kurt had no other living relatives. But how was I to know that? She said she was his aunt. I saw no reason to doubt her. Go on. Well, I sent her to his room, and, uh... Well, I believe she left when visiting hours were over. What do you mean you believe she left? Aren't you sure? Was it... As a matter of fact, I turned in rather early last night. I had a spitting headache, and I took a... Sounds like a pretty careless way to run a boarding school, Dr. Wakefield. I resent that, Mr. Mitchell. Ordinarily, I am very careful to see that all the regulations are enforced. But with this headache, I... I just had to go to bed Okay, skip it. Then you really don't have any idea when the woman left. No. All I know is that Kurt was not here this morning. Great. Oh, that must be Ilsa. Who? Oh, she's a playmate of Kurt's. Uh, come in. They told me you wanted to see me, Dr. Wakefield. Yes, Ilsa. As you know, your little friend Kurt has disappeared. Yes. I want you to tell me if you've ever heard him speak of running away. No, Dr. Wakefield. Have you any idea what happened to him or where he might be? No, sir. Oh, very well. That'll be all, Ilsa. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Wakefield. Haven't reported this to the police yet, but I think I'd better right now. No, wait a minute. But if the boy's been kidnapped... If he's been kidnapped, I don't think he's being held for ransom. Then what? I think he's being held to ensure that someone will keep his mouth shut. If that's the case, the boy is probably safe for the time being. But if the kidnappers feel the pressure on them, then it could be another story. I see. Now, this has got to be done undercover. Now, don't report it just yet. Let me see what I can find out first. I leave Wakefield School thinking about his convenient headache the night before and wondering where I'm going to start. I know I've got to find Kurt in a hurry, and then on my way into town, I spot a poster on a building announcing a lecture by a Dr. Friedrich, member of International Lecture Tours. And farther down on the poster, I see that the headquarters of the lecture outfit is right here in Stockholm. I copy down the address and go over. Morning. Morning. Is this the headquarters of International Lecture Tours? It sure is. Uh, you in charge? Well, I guess you could call it being in charge. I'm the leg man for the outfit. Oh? And I guess you're the boy I want to talk to. My name's Mitchell, Steve Mitchell. Oh, Saunders is mine. Always glad to meet a fellow American. So you're the leg man for this outfit, huh? What yeah. does that involve? Well, you name it, the works. Shagging around the world in front of the wise men. Scheduling lecture dates. Making hotel reservations for them. Yeah, and making sure they don't run out of toothpaste. That sounds like quite a job. That'll be an easier way of making a living. Uh, look, I'd like a little information about these professors. Hey, you don't happen to be an insurance salesman, do you? Not exactly. Well, they want me to be careful about things like that. They don't like to be bothered with salesmen. Here, you'd better take a look at my credentials. Huh? Oh, I see. That looks pretty official. Uh, what do you want to know, Mr. Mitchell? There are six professors in the circuit, aren't there? Yes, that's right. Well... How well do you know them? How well can you know those birds? They live in a world all their own. Yeah. Uh, where are the various lecturers now? Well, let me see. One of them's in India. That's Dr... Oh, you can skip him. All right. Another's in Canada. Don't forget him, too. Let's see. There's one in Cape Town, South Africa. That makes three. Uh, keep going. All right. Dr. Buchek in Copenhagen, Dr. Gerber in the States, and Dr. Friedrich here in Stockholm. You know, you always have to try to keep those two apart, Gerber and Friedrich. They don't seem to like each other very much. Oh, and you say Friedrich's here in Stockholm? He's lecturing tonight, as a matter of fact. Want a ticket? 
I'd be more interested in his address right now. He's staying at the Monarch Hotel. Okay. Well, thanks for the information, Saunders. Sure. Anything else I can do? Not right now, I guess. But if by any chance there's a sudden change in the travel plans on the part of any of your professors, I wish you'd let me know. I'll be staying at the Monarch, too. Sure, I'd be glad to. Well, see you around, Saunders. I'm uh, Steve Mit- Mitchell, Dr. Friedrich. I- I'd like to talk to you. Later, later. Can you not see I'm busy with my lecture notes? No, this will only take a minute. But I have just told you... Yeah, now I'm telling you. We're going to have a talk. But... Very well. Come in. Thanks. Now, please be brief. What do you want to talk about? I uh, understand you don't like one of your colleagues very well, Dr. Gerber. What business is this of yours? Maybe plenty. Why don't you like him? Because most of the theories he blabs about in his lectures are absolutely unsound. I know. Mm. Because my theories are correct. I have tested them. And they contradict his. Therefore, he is wrong. I see. Now, you're sure there isn't anything more to it than that? Of course I'm sure. Now, if you will excuse me. Just one more question. Do you mind telling me where you were last night? Why, uh... I was working on my lecture notes. Oh, that's funny. They told me downstairs at the desk that you went out last night. Oh, uh, yeah. I had forgotten. I had an engagement for a while. Is she nice? Yeah. I, uh, well, see here, Mitchell. This is none of your business. <laughs> okay, Dr. Friedrich. You better get back to your lecture notes. I'll probably be seeing you again. <laughs> Yeah. Mr. Mitchell, this is Saunders of International Lecture Tours. Oh, yeah, Saunders. Say, uh, you told me to call you if anything new developed with any of the professors. That's right. What have you got? Oh, this morning I ran into Dr. Buchek on the street. Oh, you said Dr. Buchek was supposed to be in Copenhagen, didn't you? Yeah, and I asked how come. Yeah, well, what did the good doctor say? Oh, just something about wanting to skip the rest of the circuit. Tired or something like that. I see. When did uh, Buchek arrive in Stockholm? This morning, by plane. You sure about that? No, that's just what I was told. Mm-hmm. Where's the professor staying? Strand Hotel, I think. Okay. Hey, thanks, Saunders. I think I'd better go over and give Dr. Buchek the double check. Yes? I'd like to see Dr. Buchek. <laughs> you are looking at her. I'm Dr. Buchek. Well. <laughs> well, you seem surprised. I am. I thought Dr. Buchek was a man. Oh, I'm sorry to disappoint you, Mr. Mitchell. And I can't say that I'm disappointed. Oh, thank you. Oh, please, come in. Thank you. Now, what can I do for you, Mr. Mitchell? I understand that you canceled the rest of your lecture date suddenly and returned here to Stockholm. Why, yes, yes, I did. These lectures are so tiring. I sometimes wonder why I ever started on the circuit. Oh, I don't know. Seems like a good opportunity to do a lot of traveling. At this point, I've had my fill of it. Uh, Mr. Mitchell, these questions you're asking me, are you perhaps a newspaper reporter? Yeah, sort of. Uh, When did you arrive in Stockholm? My plane landed only this morning. You're sure you didn't arrive last night? Of course not. I've just told you my... And you're sure that you didn't by any chance take a little trip out to Dr. Wakefield's boarding school? I've never heard of the place. See here, Mr. Mitchell. 
I'm quite sure you're not a newspaper reporter. And I'm also quite sure my activities are none of your business. Suppose we just pretend they're my business, Dr. Butchek. Very well. In that case, suppose you just pretend I'm telling you the truth about arriving this morning. <laughs> I see. Well, thanks for the interview. I can check up on your arrival time, you know. Please do. And when you're quite through checking up on me, then you may pretend that you owe me an apology for your rudeness. <laughs> so I leave, and it looks like the trail's beginning to heat up a little. At this point, Dr. Buchek qualifies as my grade-A suspect. Then suddenly, as I'm walking down the hall, a guy pops out of nowhere right in front of me. A word with you, sir. Who are you? Oh, permit me. A mask. I would like you to meet my friend Olaf. Huh? I don't see any... <clears throat> that is Olaf's gun in your back. I am Olaf. I'm delighted. Look, what's this all about? Shh, please, we must be very quiet. We would not want to disturb the hotel guests. Yeah, well, I'm going to start disturbing them plenty if you... Please, I told you, we must be quiet. Look, if you think I'm going to hold still while you work me over, you're... You would not listen to reason. It is a pity. <laughs> he is not saying anything now, Oscar. Mm, of course not, Olaf. That was a most effective silence you administered just then. A heavy blow over the kidney often renders a man completely speechless. See how he stands with one foot drawn up, almost like a heron. <laughs> Quite an amusing spectacle, is it not? Good, Oscar. <laughs> now, Mr. Mitchell, perhaps you will come with us quietly. Yeah. I still don't know what this is all about. You made a big mistake bothering the young lady. You just talked to Mr. Mitchell. Dr. Butchak? Now, it's necessary for the three of us to go for a nice ride. I get it. A short ride, I suppose. Oh, no. On the contrary. For Olaf and myself, yes. It will be a short ride. But for you, it will be such a long trip that I doubt very much if you will ever return. <laughs> General Mills is bringing you Dangerous Assignment, starring Brian Donlevy as Steve Mitchell. Now, it is a fact that Wheaties have a lot of very nice vitamins. They also have minerals. There's protein in them, too. Not only that, but they're 100% whole wheat. You'd think all that would be enough, but it isn't. Wheaties need people. If you haven't got people, why, how are you going to find out how wonderful those flaky whole wheat flakes taste? Where are all the smiles coming from that people always smile when they dig into a bowl of Wheaties and milk and bananas? How are you going to find out how much energy gets stuffed into Wheaties? See what I mean? You take people away, and Wheaties look pretty lonesome. And since we make Wheaties, we think that's pretty tough on them. And on people, too, for that matter. So our idea is this. Get Wheaties and people together as often as possible. Because Wheaties need people, and vice versa. And now, back to Dangerous Assignment and Steve Mitchell. Hey, look. We've been winding our way up into these mountains for the last half hour. Where are we going? Here's the turn of drive, Mr. Mitchell. You and I will just sit back here in the back seat and enjoy the ride. We are at the top of the mountain now, Oscar. Very well. You may stop the car now. Okay. Now maybe you'll tell me what this is all about, or am I supposed to guess? No, you may guess if you like. I know. 
I'm supposed to figure out which of you twins has the Tony. Big riding? Oh, skip it. What do we do now? Get out and start walking? Oh, no. On the contrary, you will remain in the car. What? Yes. Unfortunately, you are about to meet with a serious accident. I guess I'm only out for a few seconds, but when I come to, I'm alone in the back seat, and the car's rolling downhill, gaining speed. I drag myself over into the front seat. I can see a sharp turn ahead and a cliff. I grab the steering wheel, and it comes off in my hand. I step on the brakes, and the pedal goes clear to the floor, but nothing happens. I start to bail out. Then I realize the windows are closed. The inside handles to the doors and windows have been taken off. I get my foot up and start kicking at the window. The edge of the cliff is getting closer. I finally kick a hole in the window, jam my hand through it, and open the door from the outside. I dive out just as the car goes over the cliff. I land in the brush about 20 feet away and lie there, fighting to keep from passing out. After a few seconds, I hear steps, Oscar and Olaf, and they're heading in my direction. I hold my breath and flatten myself under the bushes. Well, well, such an unfortunate accident our friend Mr. Mitchell encountered, eh, Olaf? Perhaps we should go down to the bottom of the cliff and make sure, Oscar. Make sure he stay. Now, Olaf, how could he have survived a crash like that? I mean, we should make sure that he did not get out of the car. Oh, yes, perhaps you're right. Come, we will walk down to the bottom. <laughs> I know I've got to act fast now. As soon as the boys find no body in the car, they'll be after me again. I wait until they're out of sight, then I pull myself out of the bush. My body feels like one big bruise, but I finally make it back to town and head to the office of the International Lecture Tours. Oh, hi, Mitchell. Hey, hey, what happened? You look like you've been dragged through a knothole. That's the understatement of the week, Saunders. Hey, look, have you got a picture of the beautiful Dr. Butchek around here anywhere? Yeah, why, well, Sure. Yeah, here you are. This is one of the publicity pictures we sent to the papers. Will that do? Oh, well, that... Yeah, that'll do fine. Thanks. Does she kind of make a hit with you? Yeah, a big hit. And now I'm going to return the compliment. Oh, Mr. Mitchell. Hello, Dr. Wakefield. Come in, please. I'm so glad to see you. Something has come up that you should know about. What do you mean? You remember I told you a woman posing as Kurt's aunt came here to the school to see him the night before last? Sure. The night Kurt disappeared. What about it? Well, that same woman, she came back here this morning. What? Yes, yes. I wasn't in my office at the time, but my secretary told me this woman inquired about Kurt again. I returned just in time to see her driving away. I tried to stop her. It's too late. Wait a minute. That means they don't have Kurt, then. But where is he? I wish I knew. But who is they? I think I know who one of them is. The woman. Here, take a look at this picture. Her name is Butchek. What about her? Isn't that the woman who was asking about Kurt? No. I've never seen this woman in the picture before in my life. Are you sure about that? Of course. Oh, great. My case blows up in my face and I don't have any idea where Kurt is. What a headache. Hey, incidentally, have you had any more headaches lately, Dr. Wakefield? Why, no. Just the night the Kurt disappeared, huh? See here, Mitchell, if you're trying to imply that I had anything to do with the boy's disappearance... I'm not trying to imply anything, Wakefield. Just checking on your reaction times. I'll see you later. I go outside. I'm really stumped. I've got to find Kirk and find out who's behind this deal, and I'm fresh out of leads. Then, as I'm walking through the school grounds, I spot the little girl, Ilza, Kurt's playmate. She's just slipping out a side gate with a little package under her arm. I get a sudden hunch and follow her. She takes off through the woods. 
then down the roadway. I keep out of her sight, and finally, she disappears into an old deserted barn. A couple of minutes later, she comes out without the package. I wait until she heads back to the school, and then I go into the barn. There's a blonde kid sitting in a feed box, munching on a sandwich. It's Kurt Gerber. (gasps) Hello, Kurt. Did you come to hurt me? No, no, Kurt. I came to help you. Your father sent me. That is good. I've been praying for help. I knew it would come. Uh, yeah. Uh, now, what happened, Kurt? A woman came to see me at the school. Mm-hmm. She tried to make me go away with her. Yes? She said she was a friend of my father's, mm-hmm. but I knew she was lying to me. So I asked her to wait outside my room while I packed. Mm-hmm. As soon as I was alone, I climbed out the window and ran away. I see. My girlfriend, Ilsa, has been bringing food to me. How did you happen to pick this barn to hide in? I knew it was the right place as soon as I saw this manger. Manger? Yes. I read about a little boy in a manger once. I... I see. Well, I guess you couldn't have picked a better place, Kurt. Will you take me to my father? Yeah, I... Wait a minute. Three. Three of them. Oscar, Olaf, and... Well, what do you know? So I finally found out who's behind this deal when it's too late. It is never too late. Yeah? Well, it will be if I don't figure out something to do in one big hurry. My eyes flick around the barn looking for something, anything. Then they light on an electric wire running along the wall. It looks like a 220-volt direct current, and the insulation is worn through in one spot. I jerk the wire, and it comes loose in my hand. I trail it behind me, holding it in my left hand by the insulated part. Then I wait. I take a quick look at Kurt. He's sitting there, quietly, head bowed. His lips are moving a little. The door opens. Olaf comes in first, and I give him a right cross. Mitchell! Hold it, Oscar. I'm sure my gun will keep Mitchell in order for the time being. Well, my old friend Saunders. Hello, Mitchell. So you're the big boy. Yeah, I'm the big boy. Sure. It's pretty logical when you look back on it. As leg man for the lecture circuit, you had a lot to do traveling. But you were doing more than making hotel reservations for the professors. You were picking up information from your various contacts and bringing it back to Europe with you. How about that? What some guys will do for a buck, huh? Yeah. You sent me chasing after that Jew-check woman, so your stooge didn't know where to pick me up. True, true. Where's your other stooge? The woman who tried to get Kurt. Oh, she's waiting for me at the office till I take care of this little matter. Matt, are you waiting for Saunders? Why In a minute, you... Oscar, in a minute. Uh, how did you find the barn? We intercepted the little girl, Ilsa, and managed to persuade her to tell us. So now, at last, we have our boy, Kurt. <laughs> Not much of a talker, is he? What are you going to do now? Well, I know Dr. Gerber was on to me, so the original plan, of course, was to grab Kurt and keep him as insurance against Gerber spilling about me. But now, unfortunately, you know about me, too. That means I'll have to kill both you and the boy and then discontinue my present enterprise. Sorry, but that's the way it is, Mitchell. You first. His gun starts swinging in my direction. It's now or never. I whip the electric wire out from behind my back and lash at his gun with a... A spurt of blue flame wraps around the gun. Saunders drops the gun and grabs at his hand. I give him a fist. Oscar grabs at the gun on the floor, but I straighten him up with an uppercut. I tie all three of them up with their belts. Then I turn towards Kurt. He's still sitting in the manger looking at me calmly. Is it all over, Mr. Mitchell? Well, it will be as soon as we pick up Saunders' girl at the lecture office. I prayed that something would happen to deliver us. It happened. Well, you see, I sort of made it happen, Kurt. Did you? 
I prayed for a bolt of lightning, Mr. Mitchell. Well, I guess you could call that hot wire a bolt of lightning. But it was man-made lightning. Was it? How did you happen to think of it? Well, it was the only thing to do. But how did you happen to think of it? Why, I guess it just sort of popped into my mind, Bert. You see? See? Yeah, I see. And I'm the last guy in the world to argue the point, believe me. Come on, Kurt. You're going home to your father. You are listening to Dangerous Assignment on Wheaties Big Parade. What do you suppose your kids are thinking about when they dig into their Wheaties? All those nice vitamins and minerals they're getting from those crisp whole wheat flakes? You reckon they're thinking, oh boy, are my teeth getting healthy? My bones are growing nice and straight. Shucks, no. They're saying to themselves, gee, Willikins, Wheaties are good. Hope I have time for another bowl. That's what they're thinking. But isn't it comforting to know that anything as wonderful to eat as Wheaties is so good for your youngsters and for you? That's one of the nicest things about Wheaties. Dangerous Assignment, starring Brian Donlevy as Steve Mitchell, is written by Bob Reif, with music by Basil Adlam, and is produced and directed by Bill Carn. <laughs> Going to bake a pie sometime soon? Make it with Crust Quick, the Betty Crocker Pie Crust Mix. You know it's a tender, flaky crust that's at the bottom of every delicious pie, sure as you use Crust Quick, and so easy. Just add water to Crust Quick. Mmm, and what pie crust? Tender crust, tasty crust, rich, short, lovely crust, just like Betty Crocker makes. And you can make it. Just add water to Crust Quick. Crust Quick, the Betty Crocker pie crust mix. <laughs> Tomorrow, Fred Allen is guest on the Supper Club. Hear it on NBC. Welcome back. Well, a lot to talk about in this episode. And of course, you gotta mention the silliness at the start. The idea that Steve thought that his entire assignment could end walking down the hall just seems silly. I mean, in his defense, government can be silly sometimes. Also, it does seem that you would... think that he would have been in the habit of having his bags packed. I mean, I, I if I were Steve Mitchell, I would probably have a four-bag system. I'd have a warm-weather bag packed and a cold-weather bag, and then a backup for each uh, warm and cold-weather bag in case the commissioner sent me out on assignment and I didn't have time to repack before I left. But then again, that's me and my thinking. Probably one of Steve's strengths is that he really does thrive on 
one's spontaneity and is able to roll with the punches. And maybe part of that is that he's not quite as good at preparing things in advance. So Steve is like, woohoo, I've got one bag packed and I have my passport accessible when my career involves traveling the world constantly at a moment's notice. And the commissioner is like, yeah, that that's great, Steve. Now, on to the action sequences in this story. Of course, you have that punch to Steve Mitchell, and my research into the kidney punch makes it at least plausible that this could have silenced Mitchell, if it was a really good one. And here I'm quoting from uscombatsports.com. The consequences of kidney punches can be severe if they are punched in the right way way, or we might say hard. A poor punch can sting, but it should be bearable. Strong, however, will contribute to instant submission. Based on the punching strength, the tone of the enemy or the adversary may be calculated from 0 to 10. So, it's a combination of punching strength plus the overall tone and fitness level of the adversary. Uh, from what I've seen of Brian Donlevy uh, in the video versions of Dangerous Assignment, he looks like he's in decent shape, but he's not a muscle man. Certainly the approach to fitness was very different back then, but still it had to be a very, very good punch to uh, be able to silence him like that. I also think he had to have been out more than a few seconds, given all that they did to the car, because obviously they were driving the car up, not all of those uh, things were done. So he was probably out a few minutes, but it is tough to tell. And I thought it was just a great little bit of action with that escape scene. And it's really all told with Brian Donlevy's voice and some sound effects. Also love the final action scene. I mean, this series gives us such great bits of action uh, and really effective and exciting the way it's done. I also liked the ending and the boy's thoughts, and kind of how you look at the world uh, through the eyes of faith. And it's a bit more subtle and honestly surprising than what you might hear on a show like The Man Called X. Miscellaneous thoughts, I have no sympathy at all for the fool's headmaster. I get that he had a headache, and you can have some awful, terrible headaches. But when your job to keep your kids safe as a school, so if you are not capable because of your headache, you get somebody else to do it. And kind of the way he was taking exception to Steve's displeasure at the school. It's like, no, you don't get to do that. You don't sit there and try to defend the school's honor or reputation or anything like that. You just need to be like, okay, what can I do to help? That That's pretty much it. Or, sorry, we made a mistake. Let's get on to figuring out how we solve it. Also, what Steve said to the boy is actually the sort of thing that we were taught by the culture in the 1980s, you know, when I was growing up, not to believe if a stranger came up to you. I, I kind of imagine that if you were to redo this story in the 1980s, you would, or later, you would probably have Steve providing some actual proof that 
he had been sent by the boy's father. Because Steve was essentially saying the same thing as the woman who tried to retrieve him had, only the boy seems to find Steve more credible. And kids are not always the best judge of that when it comes to whether a stranger is reliable or not. Finally, I will never stop pondering that Wheaties at. And you know which one I'm talking about? The one that told us that our cereal isn't anything without us to eat it. I mean, that's a deep thought. Uh, that'll stick with you for the rest of your life, whether you want it to or not. All right, well, now it's time to thank our Patreon supporter of the day. Thank you to Stephanie, Patreon supporter since March of 2020, currently supporting us at the Shamus level of $4 or more per month. Thank you so much for your support, Stephanie. And that will actually do it for today. A reminder, you can subscribe to this podcast with your favorite podcast software, whether it's Stitcher, TuneIn, Spreaker, Apple Podcast, or the Amazon Music app at amazon.com slash otrdetectives. I would also encourage you to rate and review this podcast wherever you are listening to it at. Provided, of course, you're enjoying it. We'll be back next Wednesday with another episode of Dangerous Assignment. But join us back here tomorrow for Philo Vance, where... Just listen to the suckers having a wonderful time. Sure, Ted. Just listen to this. This is the money they paid for having that wonderful time. It's be over $20,000 here. That's bad for one night. One night club. You better put that money away. It's making me nervous. Let's go into the office. Okay. I'll stick it in the safe in a minute. Kind of like the idea of holding this kind of dough in my hand. Makes me feel important. Now, one of these days, I'm going to have a club of my own. It's great when it shows a profit. But you can lose your shirt if things go bad. I'll take my chances. I'm a little tired of being here night after night, checking the waiters and keeping books. Someday I'm... Okay, you both of you freeze. Stick up. That's right. We won't need all these lights in here in case somebody gets nosy and looks in. Yeah. Is he good enough for what I want? And what is that? All the dough in front of you guys. Want to live to report that a masked man in a checkered suit did the sticking up, shove all that money in a bag and make it quick. Ain't that I'm nervous, you understand? Just as this Tommy gun is. Do it, Ted. I'll be darned if I will. I'm going to show this... Silly boy. I hope you'll be with us then. In the meantime, do send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and check us out on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives. But from Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.